Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Good early morning, boxing fans. We're going to crash course through our weekend of boxing. We've got quite a few fights on deck. I wouldn't call them amazing fights, but there are some decent fights on deck that I see. Uh, let me get a little bit of personal preface real quick, get it out of the way. A quick announcement, really, for CTR. CTR is the brand over Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net currently. CTR, the brand, has launched a new product in our lineup, which is radio, actual online radio, broadcast radio. So feel free to check that out if you want to. It's at ctronair.net, and then on the left, click Shows and look for Classic Tunes Radio. Or find us on Twitter or X at CTR Smooth Jazz, and you'll get to the uh, playlist link there. Uh, we think it's pretty cool and exciting. And one thing I plan to do at some point, possibly, is for certain fights, I'm not going to do this for everything, but for certain fights, to actually do live commentary of a fight that's in progress. That's the plan. I don't know if I'll be able to pull this off because sometimes the fights are like really late, and I'm not going to be staying up late for fights if I don't think it's worth it. But most of the bigger ones are like, by, t by the time we get to the main event, it's like 10 p.m. or something, and I'm not going to be doing it at 10 p.m. But I'm going to try it if there's one that happens in like the midday. So we're talking probably like a U.K. fight or something. I'll, I'll check it out, and that would be played through the radio broadcast uh, just to do a, something cool, something fun. I might even consider doing it for older fights. I actually have a significant set of older fight footage from certain fighters it's just boxed up right now, so I've got to go through all my different crates and find all the different source material and then figure out how to get it uh, loaded in because they're CDs. i got to figure out how to get them loaded in, and then I'm, I'm happy to do that as a kind of a weekly cool thing to do is just kind of a live commentary of, of older fights that are out there. Uh, yes, I can do a watch-along on YouTube, and maybe, maybe that's a thing, but let's say that you're not at home, right? Maybe you're just out and about, and it's just something cool. That I thought about. So check that out again at Twitter or X at CTR on Jazz. Let's get into our boxing events and I'll go through what I see on deck. And unfortunately, the schedule's kind of weird. There's a lot of fights that I saw, but they're just it's kind of scattered. The schedules are kind of scattered. And there's a couple different places that they're taking place. And so it's throwing me off when I'm trying to trace everything down. From what I can tell, the vast majority of them are happening overseas. So there's a lot happening in Liverpool. Uh, there's a couple happening out in London that I saw. And then I think there's a few happening in California. Might be one or two in Vegas. So I'm just going to go down of what I saw. Again, you might, you may or may not see uh, some of these because I may get it wrong, but I'm going to do the best I can. At the top, probably the biggest fight this weekend, 12 rounds at welterweight action. The return of Alexis Rocha. He's fighting Giovanni Santian. Uh, he's, this is out in Inglewood, California. It's on the zone in U.S. and U.K. if you want to check this out. Um, obviously, a really good fight. Centian's undefeated. Uh, Rocha has just the one loss. That was Rashidi Ellis, and he should not have lost the fight, but his fight strategy was stupid, was Rocha, I argue. And Rocha's coming off the high. Um, he's coming off two knockout wins back-to-back, -back, so he's he's riding a high, and he he's just building momentum back where he was. These are two southpaws. Rocha's the younger guy. Uh, Rocha's the taller guy. Rocha's the... Uh, rangier guys got the reach advantage over Santian, but 
Don't dismiss Santian. Santian's a really solid boxer. The experience is roughly equivalent, but I noticed that Santian, he is just sound. He's really sound. I like him as a boxer. This is a good fight, and again, if you get, if you get a chance to watch only one fight this weekend, I think this is definitely worth your time. Most online feel Rocha's going to blow the guy out. I don't see that. I see that he's going to have to work. It's not that I don't think Rocha wins because he might, but Santian's solid, and I don't know I don't know that he's going to easily be able to um, work around Rocha's style, but if we go back to Rocha and Ellis, clearly Rocha struggles when a fighter is a certain level of boxer, and that's what I see in Santian. He has very similar skills, and not style, but skills. So that could play and might lose a, a close loss with Rocha. That would be interesting if he did lose, though, because from the two, the one that I see has the potential to make some noise in the welterweight division is certainly Alexis Rocha, the two. That's not dismissing Santian. I think Santian's solid. I'm saying that if I were looking at who's going to be that next class of guys that make noise in 147 whenever Crawford vacates the titles or faces a mandatory you know, who's going to be that next guy? I think it's going to be Rocha of the two. I think Santino would have moments like, you know, Stankonia, but I think right now is Rocha's time, and I think he gets the win. I just say he's got to work for it is my only statement there. The next fight also disowned 10 rounds at super flyweight action. John Scrappy Ramirez fighting Ronald Batista. I'm not going to say this is a mismatch, but it's a mismatch. You know, it, Ramirez is, he's the up-and-coming guy. He's the undefeated guy. Young kid, he just debuted like three years ago, but he has a significant amount of rounds in the books. He's been fighting at a high pace, and he's been dominant in every, almost all. He, his last one, he had a real close, but people argued it shouldn't have been close. But he's been dominant in what he does and how he presents, whereas um, Batista's been on a significant slide. Batista's a good kid, but he's been on a slide very recently, got stopped in his most last fight, and I don't know if there's something off with camp or him or whatever, because he's still young, he's only 26 years old and he's already got three losses on the record uh, of the three, the two were his most recent fights. So something happened, something was off with him. And I don't know what that was. Cause at one point he was really highly rated. I was looking really forward to seeing him uh, in action. And then all of a sudden the decline started and I'm not sure what shifted and I'm, I'm cheering for the kid. I'm cheering for him in this one. It's not that I'm against Ramirez. I like Ramirez, but I'm cheering for Batista to kind of get a W. This would be a huge win for him if he can knock off Ramirez. I don't think he can, but I'm cheering for him because I think he's a good, solid kid himself, just the person, right? And uh, you don't like to see good kids, you know, wash out of the business because of matchups. This is, I would qualify as a mismatch, not because of anything other than, if you look at the records, there's no reason that Batista should be fighting Ramirez at this stage. Because Ramirez should be fighting somebody upper level. Batista should be on a rebuild on somebody we know he can beat to rebuild him. So it may be just his team or that somebody's paying for him to take this this fight and take the loss like with Gabe Rosado or something. I'm not saying definitive. I'm saying I find this matchup sketchy and it's I, I don't like it because Batista's a really good guy. And I never like to see this kind of thing. On the undercard also of this same, 10 rounds at flyweight action. This is women's action. Uh, Gabriela Fundora is finally making her return against Aureli Messino. Aureli Messino's the A-side, believe it or not. She's she's a veteran. She's been in the business a while. I believe she's been in, geez, it had to be like, what, 15 years? She's been in a long time. A lot of rounds in the books. Uh, she's been she's been around. She's been all over the place. 
Uh, I've watched her fights on occasion on undercards, and I, I think stylistically she's really good, but obviously she's slightly older. She's getting up there. Fundora's on the rise and has been dominant in the fights recently. Fundora being as lanky as she is and being the southpaw that she is could present some problems here for Messino. I, I, I think, I believe that the reach advantage, the height advantage is going to end the southpaw. I think it's going to have some, it's going to make a hard time for Messino. I think she's going to struggle on this one. It's possible though. Messino's able to pull it out against this Fundora, just like we saw recently with the other Fundora. It's possible she pulls something out. I, I don't see it, 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 but I'm acknowledging the possibility because of the level of experience that Messina brings to the table. She could absolutely pull something out. I'm just saying that Fundora has so many advantages over her that it would basically take kind of that Hail Mary one time, a one time a lifetime shot to kind of get in, get behind that, get behind that jab and land something and then see if you can rock that rock that tree. But, you know, she's been, she's been pretty solid chin herself. You know, she's been durable. She's been hit. She's been solid chin herself, but I think you can possibly exploit it. If you can get past that, that range, get inside and just start beating it up. So I like the fight for, the styles clash of it, you know, it's just different styles, different looks, um, young versus old, rangy versus short and and kind of stocky. They're not knockout artists, but I do think there's going to be a lot of fists thrown on this one because both have something to prove. Now, here's the funny thing. Online believes that Messino washes Pandora. I, I'm, I'm shocked at that. I'm shocked at that. Not dismissing Messino. She's great. And it may just be her fan base or maybe her country support. No, that's cool. But Fundora is quality. And she's quality and she should not be dismissed. So I'm I'm acknowledging Messino might win. She's going to have to work for it. I don't see a wash is my point. I don't see a wash. I actually don't see a knockout unless, again, that Hail Mary shot comes out of nowhere and is able to rock and do something. And that is a possible outcome. I just think the probability is down. I think Fundora is going to be all kinds of problems for Messino on this one. And I think Fundora gets her hand raised. That's just my gut speaking. I recognize Messino could pull something out, and I'm watching this one uh, to see that she does. That was not too late. Uh, looks like it's uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So for me, that's going to be about 7 p.m. That's not too late. So I might check that one out. Um, I don't know when this specific fight happens. If they're going to be on the on the intro, or they're going to be a little bit later. If they're a little bit later, I wouldn't. I'll miss it, but. I'm, I'm really intrigued about the fight. I like what I see of both gals. Let's switch over now to the Liverpool side. This is the Echo Arena if you're local. 12 rounds of super lightweight action. We've got Jack Catterall finally getting back in the ring again. And he's fighting Jorge Linares. Of course, Jorge Linares is a, is a veteran in the business. He's been around. And the criticism is that he's being passed around. And he kind of is, but he, you know, he's older, right? So it's not like he can fight at the championship level. And Catterall needs a get-back fight. He needs something to build because, obviously, Josh Taylor ducked him, and so he needs to stay active. And people have been avoiding Catterall because Catterall, he's just awkward. He's hard for people to look good against him. And Lenars is coming off three fight losses. So I think this is, I believe, this is going to be difficult for both guys. I think Lenars is going to show something in the early rounds. I think Catterall is eventually going to adjust and get the W. I don't see a knockout here. I do think Lenars takes another L. That's my gut speaking. Lenars, you know, Catterall is a southpaw. They're roughly same height and reach, but Catterall is a southpaw. Catterall is a younger guy. Catterall, again, is very awkward. It's hard to look good against him. So 
I just think Lenars is going to take a dom- uh, not dominant, but a decision rather loss uh, against Catterall after looking good in the early stages. I think he'll look good up front, and then he'll eventually uh, falter. That's that's kind of what I see there. Undercard of that same ten rounds at Super Bantamweight action. We've got Peter McGrail fighting Fran Menzo- Mendoza. I don't know either guy. Both were undefeated. Looking on the numbers, they're both young guys. Uh, McGrail's a southpaw. Uh, looks like McGrail has a height advantage. I don't know about reach advantage. I think they're the same reach. Height advantage for sure. Uh, roughly equivalent in terms of years in the business, roughly. But uh, Mendoza has way more rounds in the books. Mendoza has way more experience in terms of rounds in the books. So I, it's hard to call this one, but I know that I know that from a southpaw perspective, that's going to cause some problems. It always does for Mendoza. But I think the experience might play over and, and he gets a W over McGrail. So I'm, I'm going to lean towards Mendoza if only because the southpaw. It's like the only thing I can see that would play in his favor because everything else is a disadvantage for him. But it depends on which one shows up the night and if he's able to uh, leverage those skills, put them to use, and get his guy out of there. Also in the undercard here, 12 rounds at super featherweight action. We've got Akib Fiaz versus Reese Bellotti. Don't know either guy. They're both out of uh, the UK. I have not heard of either one. Fiaz is undefeated. Uh, young guy. He just debuted like three and a half years ago or something. And then uh, Bilotti's been in the business, I think about eight years, some odd. Uh, Bilotti, I wouldn't call this a mismatch. I don't think that's fair because Fiaz is not a, he's not an explosive fighter. He's absolutely not a knockout artist. He's kind of boring at times. But uh, Bilotti, you know, I don't think it's a mismatch, in, even though Bilotti has losses ranked up. Um, he's kind of been on a decline, even though he's a youngish guy. He's he's in his 30s, but he's, he's on the younger side of 30. So I, I don't know if he's, you know, he's there to put Fiaz over. I'm assuming it's just for Fiaz to uh, put him over, is my guess. Now let's switch over to London, UK. York Hall, if you're out local. We got 12 rounds at Cruiserweight Action. Uh, Mikhail Lawal versus Isaac Chamberlain. Of course, I'm aware of Chamberlain. I'm not aware of uh, Lawal. This is for some vacant titles, uh, British titles. And I watched the numbers on these two. Uh, for cruiserweights, I was surprised at the height. Uh, they're not really tall guys. They're, they're shorter than I thought they would be. Uh, Chamberlain has a little bit of a reach advantage. Chamberlain's coming off a loss. They're roughly the same number of years in the business. Roughly the same rounds of experience. Roughly the same stylistically. I think it's matched very well. It's hard to call it because I don't, I don't know fully enough about both guys. I can tell you that, you know, I think we're going to see Fists thrown on this one. I, I think we're going to see a knockout on this one. I would lean towards Chamberlain, maybe. But Chamberlain doesn't aggressively go for the knockout. He just waits for it to come and kind of gets it. So I'll watch it if I can. I don't know if I'll get a chance to see it. But Cruiserweights is there if you want to check that out. Same event, 12 rounds of super welterweight action. We got Lewis Green fighting Sam Gilly. Don't know either guy, uh, both out of the UK. So this is a pretty stacked uh, UK weekend we got on deck here. And on the numbers, they're roughly equivalent. Roughly equivalent height. I think they're equivalent reach. Both orthodox, roughly same age. I think they're both coming off a loss, if I recall. I know Green's coming off a loss. I, I think Gilly's recent was a loss. I'm not sure. But coming off a loss, uh, number of fights is roughly the same. And stylistically, is roughly the same. This one's matched really well. This one's a really good match i think both guys this is the kind of matchup i want to see where the numbers are just that's so close you can't really call even if you did watch the guys you can't really call it because the numbers are just on on par because you know the gambling odds are going to say whatever but when you look at them 
you're like, okay, I'm not really sure who wins this one. And because I don't know either guy, I'm not going to call that one because I don't want to do this uh, disservice to either one of them. There's some other fights that were either announced or potentially on deck, or they're just, I don't have, they're not televised or something else that I was made aware of. So uh, Patty Lacey versus Owen Kirk, six rounds, middleweight action. This is in Liverpool. Apparently it's on the undercard of that uh, zone event, but I didn't see any other announcement about it, but it was supposed to be there. Campbell Hatton was supposed to be fighting a junior welterweight action, eight rounds. I didn't see it anywhere on the docket, but I was, I was informed it should be there. Khalil Majid versus Tom Farrell, junior welterweight, should be there. I didn't see it. Shabazz Massoud versus Jose San Martin, 10 rounds of junior featherweight, did not see it, but apparently it's there. That's all on the zone side. So, uh, you know, again, there's it's like this weird, this, this weekend's event's kind of strange, and I don't know if it's still in development, but there's a number of fights that don't show on the docket, but apparently they're going to be there. So that's why I'm trying to be more robust in finding the fights they're just hard to find because different broadcasts and different platforms and different announcement events will target certain regions and so then you have to try to pull it together this weekend just happened to be all the uk so that it made it easy because if it's except for the one that's in uh, california but you know any other time it's like okay there's stuff in california there's stuff in vegas there's stuff in new york there's stuff in orlando there's stuff in uk there's stuff in canada there's stuff in freaking saudi you know so it's hard to piece it all together in one broadcast and I do the best I can, but that's really difficult. It's getting harder too. with the demise of showtime, which is how I'm going to close the show. It may get easier for some of this. And I'll tell you why, if it's true that most of the boxing broadcast now is going to reside on DAZN or ESPN, which is what it looks like going forward for the foreseeable future. It should be easy to at least find all the events. ESPN does a pretty good job of listing out all the different fights that are going to be there except for the ones that are just kind of throwaway fights. So ESPN is pretty straight. DAZN is the one that has an issue with giving a very full list card of who's all fighting on the deck and where they're from, like where they're fighting. They, they don't do a good job of this one. And I'm not a fan of DAZN getting that platform. Um, I'm not a fan of Showtime leaving the business, just like I wasn't a fan of HBO leaving the business. That said, I think Showtime started to decline. And I'll be honest, when they started, when they stopped, at least highlighting the ring girls every now and then. I mean, you don't have to focus on them all the time, but you know, in the old days you would at least zoom out so we can see the ring girl, you know, give them us, give them a spotlight every now and then, you know, give them a chance to wave the camera every now and then give us a chance to see that they don't do that anymore. They didn't, you know, they, they stopped doing that. HBO would do it all the time. And so, and then HBO would do a good job of not excessively focusing on the corner. I think it did a good job when it made sense. Like sometimes on Showtime, they would focus on the corner and they're not saying anything. That's a waste of people's time. You might as well focus on the ring girl. If they're not talking, focus when it makes sense. Showtime seemed to suck at that one. So I'm not, again, I'm I'm frustrated that they're leaving the business because I don't want to see more decline of boxing availability. At the same time, I think Showtime was purposely sabotaging the business by not focusing on the things that made boxing fun to watch in the first place. And I do think that the paydays played a factor. I do think that there were some excessive paydays. No, we can't blame Floyd Mayweather for this because the point is different. We're not talking about people shouldn't get paid or shouldn't get paid millions. Is the fight worth that money? Like a lot of fighters like a Crawford of the world were asking for, you know, Crawford was asking for three, four million bottom side guarantees to fight Amir Khan. Like you got to put it in perspective. It depends on the quality of the fight. If the quality of the fight's not there, I'm pretty sure you got a guaranteed minimum $3 million against Cavalaskis. 
it has to go to the quality of the fight. And that's where we went south is where we opened the door for the fighter to dictate, this is just what I'm going to get paid or whatever, or they sit on the sidelines. And I blame the promoters for signing those contracts, thinking they're going to get return off of it when the fight doesn't make any sense. Well, then you got two sides of the fight, right? You got promoter A and promoter B. They can't work together because both their guys are trying to get big paydays for a fight that really ain't worth that. It's not going to return that amount of money, not in this current era. And it's not about pay-per-view. It's just the fight's not worth it. That's the bottom line. So you can't, and then Golovkin and Canelo early on to zone, they were just giving it away. 999, you can get Golovkin fights and Canelo fights and Joshua fights and Klitschko fight. Like it was crazy, <laughs> but you know, these guys, they started bleeding themselves dry. So my point is, I think Showtime didn't help the matter because they were all too happy to say, okay, we'll just throw money at it. Hope we're going to entice people back to the sport. You're not going to entice people back to boxing by avoiding the things that entice people in the key demographic to begin with. The reason we had people in the key demographic is because of what? When people go to the events, they treat it like a, you know, an event, right? You're, you're, Maybe you drink beer, maybe you hang out, you're having fun at the event, which is why they were doing it at casinos, because then maybe they'll stop by the casino and hit up the tables or something, which they would do. But also, the ring girls played a big factor in the draw of boxing, seeing that, because your key demographic is what? 18 to 34 male has historically been this. Boxing's key demographic now, I don't even know, has it shifted away from that key? I would suspect it hasn't. It would have to be the same. Maybe it shifted a little bit on the younger side now, which is not good. With the misfits of the world and the YouTubers of the world and all these other freak shows, maybe it's skewed younger, and that's the reason why you've lost the plot, because you're hosting all these fights that don't cater and events that don't cater to your key demographic, but also your camera work and everything, avoiding the ring girls, doing everything you can to make them demons is killing the business, and just turning everything into now it's a... a obvious cash grab. You're just turning everything to a pay-per-view just because, because you have to pay these guys. You're, you know, like if I were these promoters to me, first of all, I would never do contracts where I'm giving them a guaranteed downside. Or if I do a guaranteed downside, it's going to be a very low guaranteed downside. It's enough for you to feed your family. Basically, you got to figure something else out with your crew. And to me, I would contract the crew. I would never hire a full-time crew. I would say, look, you, you're going to have contract crew if, so that you minimize the cost, right? But I'll give you a baseline that's enough to feed your family, you know, 100K or something. Enough to feed your family, enough to keep a roof over your head, take your kids and do what you got to do there. But when it's time to fight here, dude, the fight has to be worth the money. It has to be worth the money, and that's based on draw. It's not based on titles. It's based on draw. Draw is largely based on venue, but it's also based on you, the personality of the fighter. How much money can you draw? How much money did you draw in your last fight? And you have to draw up some of those fans. You got to go out there and find them. You have to do the work to go out and do it. Yes, I'm a promoter and I'll help you in terms of marketing materials and television. I'm talking, you need to hit up your schools. You need to hit up colleges. You need to hit up, you know, banks or whatever you do. Find people and spread the word. Get your name out there in the public. Remember, some of the older fighters, they were out there, right? You, Muhammad Ali was out there. It wasn't just his promoter. He was out himself promoting. He was out there cutting interviews, but he was also out going to places. And I think a lot of these fighters don't want to self-promote. They expect the promoter to do all the work. The promoter can't sell you. You have to sell yourself, which means you have to have a gimmick. You have to have something that puts you above and beyond. And if you don't have that, you got to figure out how to get it. And I think that's where a lot of today's fighters fall short. I was actually interacting. There's a, a guy, he's on YouTube, Ice John Scully. 
and he does events and he meets with different boxers of the past. And he gets like, he gets like interviews sometimes and he'll get autographs sometimes and he'll auction off materials to help fighters of the past. And he, we were talking about Mitch blood green. Mitch blood green is one of my favorite fighters because not, it's not about again, the in ring, but I'll get there. Mitch blood green was one of the first to have a gimmick. Like he actually had something to appeal to people and he was corny and he's crazy, but he had the, the throwback look of the time, you know, greasy hair and, the shades and chains, like whatever. And the long car, long sedans, just, he just had a gimmick and he would go on, he would cut promos. We're talking WWF style promos and people look at it now. They're like, Oh, it's corny. You got to understand at the time, that's how you would get over. That's how you get over Riddick bow, tossing shit in the trash. <laughs> this is how you would get over. You get over with a gimmick. You have a gimmick of some kind that puts you over Chris Eubank was a master at this. Nigel Benn, I would argue, had a gimmick. Like, gimmicks is how you got over at the time. And the decline of gimmicks, if you notice, everybody, every fighter, for the most part, they're all doing the same thing, and they're all generic. Anthony Joshua has a gimmick. Great. Deontay Wilder has a gimmick. Great. Tyson Fury has a gimmick. Great. Outside of the ones I named, look at boring-ass Frank Sanchez. He has nothing. He's just a guy. He's just there. Luis Ortiz is just there. Chris Ariola is a fan favorite, essentially, but he's just there. But he's but he's he's just there, right? <laughs> the gimmicks were why were people were able to draw money to the events. Why you were able to draw fan interest, casual fan interest to say, okay, that's interesting. This guy, he's telling a story, or he looks like he's a tough dude, or he looks like he's a badass, or he looks like he's about to kill somebody, right? And they tell the story and then the fan gets interested and they pay the money to dial in or come to the event or go to a theater and watch it. That's what we lost. Now you get guys cutting interviews and I know you've seen it and they're like, well, you know, um, I, I, I like to thank uh, my promoter, you know, uh, I, I'm happy to be here, you know, and um, I, I'm going to, we're, you know, we're going to put on a good show, you know, and we like, nobody wants to see that shit like that. Nobody wants to see. And I get it. Not everybody knows how to talk straight. And certainly our education system has failed people. And I understand that, but goddamn, take some classes, do something. We need, that's the, and so in the wrestling business, that's referred to kind of like the producer, kind of a producer role or some role that's designed to help craft and build that and build who you are. Who are you? Who are you to the fans and create the gimmick and put it out there. And I know some in UFC have tried to do it. Some succeeded like Conor McGregor, some failed, but I think it's critical, and I believe the lack of that and Showtime basically killing the business by not spotlighting their key demographic and the things that they like is what's really killing boxing. It's We're turning everything into a sideshow also, but we're making it generic. We're making it try to appeal to everybody, even the people who would never watch it. That's the problem. You should not appeal, you should not appeal to people who would never watch your product. I have the same issue with porn, if you be honest here, right? It's like, you're, you're trying to appeal to people who would never watch this garbage. So that's the wrong answer. Same with movies, same with TV shows. Everything is now generic because they're trying to not offend people or they're trying to offend to a, or appeal to a low common denominator. And boxing has gone that way, and it's sad. I don't like to see that. Anyway, I'm done with my rant. I will check in with you guys after the fights, and I'll check in with the results, especially with the uh, women's action. I'm really intrigued on that one.